Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Yvette. I am back from my break. I know I took most of April off because I wasn't feeling very well. Um, at the time, um, I was dealing with first trimester symptoms. Um, and I you know I wasn't public with it yet, but also the first trimester sickness was also um, causing some flare-ups with regard to my chronic illness. And so it was um, a tough time for me with regard to managing my physical and my mental health. But thankfully, I'm doing much better now. I'm in my second trimester. And while I'm not 100% in the clear, and I don't know if I ever will, because that's what happens when you have a chronic illness, I am feeling good enough that I'm happy to return to the podcast and to bring you a new episode. Today's topic is on starting grad school during a pandemic. And the reason I decided to talk about this is because that is what is taking up a good bulk of my time when I check in with some of the seniors that I advise through the McNair program. Uh, we have a cohort of 13 seniors and all of them have been admitted to grad school and all of them have SIR'd and are planning to start graduate school in the fall, if not, then shortly thereafter. And so these are some of the things that I'm having them consider that I want you to consider if you are in a similar situation where you were accepted to um, graduate school, you have accepted their offer and are now trying to figure out, okay, I said yes, I'm going, now what? So much has changed since students were admitted. Um, we, you know, in, in March, we had the start of the pandemic. And I think a lot of us were hopeful that it wouldn't, that the pandemic wouldn't last as long as it looks like it will last. And so some of us may have SIR'd with the idea in mind that you would start graduate school in the fall in person. And at this point, it doesn't look like that's what's going to happen, at least not in a lot of places. There are a wide range of discussions that are happening nationwide among all kinds of universities about whether or not to reopen universities. And if so, what does that look like when we don't have a vaccine for the coronavirus and a lot of people are still at risk for getting it. Um, and so it's still a liability to even consider having groups gathering in, in large um, amounts or large amounts of people, large groups. So, but we have heard some news. So one thing we have heard is that, for instance, the Cal State University system as a whole is going to be online in the fall. And then um, we know that at least 
I'm in California, so I follow the, you know, the updates by our governor, Governor Newsom, and, you know, any K through 12 educational updates. And it looks like a lot of K through 12 schools are planning to reopen in August. Uh, but again, we don't know exactly how they're going to reopen in what capacity. Um, and I know that in California, we're continuing to shelter in place for uh, at least another three months. So those are just some things that are happening right now. It's mid-May, and who knows what will happen later. But with regard to other universities outside of the CSUs, it's a mixed bag. Some folks are saying they're reopening. Some folks are saying they're waiting until the end of summer to make that call. A lot of programs are considering um, a hybrid model where some smaller classes can meet in person. Larger classes would be continuing online. And depending on the instructors, uh, instructors who are at higher risk, those that are ages 65 and over would most likely be teaching online in the fall. And it really is hard to say to my students, yes, you're definitely going to be required to move out of state to start your graduate program in the fall. Uh, uh, unless they're in, at a CSU, I can, say, I can safely say you're going to be doing everything online <laughs> in the fall. And so, so what are the things that are on their mind? Right now, one of the things that is on the mind of a couple of people is whether or not they should defer their admission. And deferring is not something I like to bring up often because there are rare cases where a student, where I would recommend a student defer. Um, I think a lot of times it's, you know, there's not so much that you can do with a gap year that you couldn't do just by starting graduate school right away. But in this case, I understand the concern. It's a very real concern. It, and it is very scary to think about yourself. My students are in their early 20s. So you're a young adult moving, uh, for a lot of them, away from home for the first time in a new city. Some of my students are going to places that are hot spots for the coronavirus, like going to New Jersey or New York. And so they're wondering, should I defer for my own health and safety? Then there are others, I have students who are in STEM fields, where they don't even know in what capacity they can conduct research if they're not doing research in person. And maybe their programs function on a rotation basis where each quarter or each semester they're working in a different lab with a different faculty advisor, and they won't really get to have that experience. And it will be really hard for them to decide who they're going to work with if they're, they don't receive that rotation um, experience that they, were, that they were guaranteed. And so this is why they're considering deferring. Some students are considering deferring for a quarter or a semester only. That is, if the fall is online, they're going to defer the fall and then start again in January. Uh, or, yeah, start their programs in January instead of in September, August, September, October. 
Um, but one thing that I do think is important to keep in mind, if you are seriously considering deferring, is you want to talk to the department and ask them if and how this will affect your funding. Sometimes certain programs only have funding available for certain years. So if you defer a year, you could lose out on that funding offer. So you want to make sure that whatever funding package you were given remains intact, even if you defer um, your first term or your first year. And then the other thing I want you to keep in mind is, what will you do and how will you make ends meet if you do defer? Um, Some students are um, understandably concerned about their health and safety, but at the same time, they might not have many options for work or for sustaining themselves at home. And if that's the case, then what are you going to do with your time? You know, what are you going to do without the access to the resources that you had as a student, you know, as a student? We've got access to health care, you've got access to university resources and professionals, and you're getting paid a small stipend. So is it really worthwhile to defer if you don't have a plan for what you're going to do if, if you're home? And then the other thing is, before making a decision, you don't want to just make a decision based on how you're feeling now, you want to make an informed decision. So you want to consult with the department to find out as much as you can about what is realistically going to happen in the fall. What are the expectations for the fall? So don't make a decision unless or until they tell you, you know, as, as with as much certainty as possible, what their approach is going to be for the fall. Is it going to be online? Is it going to be in person? Is it going to be a combination of the two? Find that out. And then you want to do a cost-benefit analysis of staying home versus starting grad school. Let's say you have to stay home to take care of a loved one. That is completely understandable. You have to stay home to, um, to get a job and save up as much as you can to both help your family and also save up for the move to, to go to graduate school. That's understandable too. Um, so think about it, come up with a plan and don't just make a rash decision when it comes to deferring. All right. The next thing I want to talk about are, um, financial considerations. And so most of the students that I work with are low income, which means that a lot of them have never had to move far away from their families They haven't had to budget for this type of expense. And so they may not realize just how expensive it is to move. And so what I am asking them to consider is, well, first off, I want them to know that there are expenses that they will incur that have to do with moving, whether that is um, the actual cost to ship materials from one place to another, your flight to get from one place to another, you're paying for your first month's rent plus security deposit, wherever it is that you get housing. And 
Some students are lucky that they were able to get some funding for relocation expenses from the program that they were accepted into. But even though they say they're giving you funding, they're not just going to give you a check before you're a student for you to spend on whatever it is that comes up. Most likely, they're going to wait until you're an enrolled student in the fall, and then they will provide you with funding on a reimbursement basis. And in case you're not familiar with reimbursement processes, they take time. They require that you organize, gather your receipts, and fill out paperwork. And this is going to be a continuous kind of really tedious process that you're going to go through from graduate school through the rest of your career. I mean, I, this is university bureaucracy. It's really annoying, yes, but you're going to have to be dealing with reimbursement processes for a very long time. And if you haven't already considered getting a credit card, I would recommend starting to build your budget, getting a credit card, learning how to use it wisely, only spend on things that you know you can pay off, only use it for, you know, things like emergencies and things when, when, when circumstances come up in which, you know, you're going to get reimbursed, that's a good idea to start using a credit card because a lot of grad students who are low income, we don't have that kind of disposable income to just be dropping money at all times and then waiting for for us to get paid back later. So you want to use this time to save. And if you don't have a part-time job, and if you can, now is a good time to look into getting a part-time job. I know it's, it's much harder to secure jobs right now or under our current circumstances, uh, and it also depends on how comfortable you feel, uh, you, you know, with securing a job as an essential worker. But there are, you know, some online gigs that some students are considering, like tutoring options. Uh, also, some of our students are working as interpreters or translating for folks. And I mean, obviously, we have students who who work at grocery stores or who work for, um, what is, what are those places? DoorDash and, and different companies that will deliver groceries. That's based on your comfort level, how comfortable you feel with exposing yourself and and working outside of your home, but do your best to try to search for part-time jobs so that you can start to save in the past. What our students would do is they would try to secure a full-time job immediately after graduating and they were work that full-time job through the end of summer until they had to move to to go to graduate school and then they'd let go of that job and use that money for their moving expenses. What other students have done in the past if they weren't able to successfully secure a job is they would start a GoFundMe. They would fundraise and I know not everybody's comfortable with doing this but I have seen and I have contributed to several GoFundMe accounts for students who are fundraising to start graduate school. It is an understandable reason to ask for money from friends and loved ones if you're comfortable. 
And then another option that I've seen students do is they have taken out a student loan during their senior year of college, and then they save that money, and that's the money they use for their moving expenses. Um, I typically don't recommend taking on student debt, but our circumstances right now are not ordinary. And so in, in this case, I don't think it's a bad idea because the more money you can have saved up for emergencies, for anything that comes up from now until when you start graduate school and you start to get your consistent paycheck, um, the better off you'll be. So it's not a bad idea if you qualify to get a student loan that you can then use and save up the money. If you don't end up using that money, okay, go ahead and pay off your student loan. That won't hurt you. But if you need it and you have it, you know, it's nice to have that as an option. And then another thing that's really important to find out, in fact, you may want to find out about this before you make any plans, any budget, or even consider how much you want to save for relocation expenses. What you really need to know is when you're going to get your first paycheck. So odds are, if you got into a PhD program, you received a funding package. And in that funding package, they told you what your annual stipend or annual, yeah, annual funding is going to be. And let's say your stipend is anywhere from twenty, twenty-five, dollars or $30,000 a year. You want to know when are you going to get your first paycheck and how often are you going to get paid? Are you getting one lump sum per term? So one paycheck per quarter or per semester? Or are you getting paid monthly? And if so, you know, how much is it going to be? And then once you know what your monthly amount is going to be, then, of course, you absolutely must create a monthly budget. You know, you want to think about how much you're going to spend on housing. So look up what is the average cost of living in that area. And then based on the cost of living and your stipend and how much your money you're going to be getting, you need to come up with the figure of what is the maximum amount of money you can afford for housing. And that will then determine if you can afford to live you know, on your own or in your own bedroom without a roommate, or if you may need multiple roommates to make ends meet. And so that, that monthly budget where you account for your bills for your living expenses, that's going to help you because then once you do arrive, once you have started the fall term, you will have a better sense of how much money is coming in, how much money is coming out. And you might even be able to budget to just only bare bones budget and save the rest. Because again, now is the time that we all want to save as much as we can because We don't know how much our circumstances are going to change because of this very um, unstable, unpredictable pandemic. So those are the financial considerations. There are, I'm sure, I mean, I could go into detail um, with, you know, how to create a budget with... um, how much you should save for relocating. But really, those things are on a case-by-case basis, so I don't want to 
mention one example if it doesn't apply to a good number of you. Okay, another consideration, another thing to keep in mind uh, is housing. So if you're planning to start graduate school in the fall, you're wondering, am I actually going to be required to move? And what happens if there's another shelter-in-place requirement? What happens if I can't travel there and I've secured housing? Am I going to lose out on that money that I put in to book my, you know, to sign my lease? And for housing, I highly recommend, if you can, to... Um, to figure out a way to get set up with on-campus housing. So get on that wait list, um, apply for on-campus housing, because if circumstances change and your housing is through the university, the university will likely be more flexible with not docking you and not having you pay any fees or not keeping your security deposit. Uh, so there's more of a safety net there if you were to get your housing through the university. Also, a lot of times university housing is furnished, which means that you're not going to have to worry about paying for furniture once you're there. Because again, you don't want to, you only want to take the bare minimum that you need to take when you move there. You don't want to be paying to ship a million items to another state. And so on-campus on housing is my recommendation number one. If that's not a possibility, the next thing I would say is to contact grad students in the department um, in the program that you're going to be starting at in the fall and see if any of them are looking for roommates or suite mates and possibly um, secure housing through them. The reason I say that is because then they will be able to commiserate and understand what you're going through. So in the case that you do have to shelter in place after having moved there, you won't be alone. You will have some sort of support system in the space that you're sheltering in. If that doesn't work, consider other off-campus living options that include roommates who ideally are also graduate students because again now is not the time even if you're introverted like me now is not the time where I recommend for you to find your own studio and live by yourself um, I do think that for your own mental health and well-being it's good to have some sort of roommate or housemate that can be there that can you know help out with things um, whether that's like figuring out a system so that, you know, you can get each other's groceries or run each other's errands or help each other out with domestic labor. It's just, it's nice to have help and to not be completely on your own. I know that, you know, some of my students who are living alone, I had one student who scheduled an appointment with me and I didn't know why he was meeting with me when I met with him and I asked him, what do you want to meet about? He told me, I just wanted to hear someone on the phone. I just wanted to have contact with someone outside of my room. <laughs> and um, admittedly, this, this student is more of an extrovert, but I felt so bad for him because he's been stuck in his room alone for several weeks and is in need of some sort of contact, some sort of support. 
that's not just virtual because a lot of us are feeling zoomed out. That's in person. So if you can find some sort of housing with roommates and, um, and think about a backup plan in case you don't move there in the fall. What most of my students are actually doing is they're all assuming that they're going to move in the fall. And, um, and then if they have to uh, either take classes online or if they're going to be part of some sort of hybrid model, they're planning to do that after having moved there. So their goal is to move if they can and, um, and then figure things out from there. Uh, I, don't, I don't have too many students who plan to stay home and try to start graduate school from home. That is a very hard thing to do. If you're like many of my students, a lot of my students have um, working class families, immigrant parents, siblings. Uh, they have to care for um, other individuals, whether it's helping to care for um, a parent or a grandparent or there's just they have a lot of responsibilities at home and that takes away from their time to study right now and that's what's making it really hard for them to focus on finishing their last quarter at UC Santa Barbara and so I can only imagine just how hard it will be to start graduate school if you're at home living under those circumstances so if you can I would recommend that you also do what my students are doing Plan to move in the fall if you can, and then um, come up with a backup plan for how you will manage if you're in a new city and you have to shelter in place. All right, so what else do I want to say about the fall and what fall will really look like for you if you're 100% determined to start and to start this year? So I hate to be the bearer of bad news. And uh, this is my little reality check uh, to folks who maybe are being overly optimistic. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like the coronavirus is going anywhere anytime soon. And so if you're thinking, no, oh, things will be better by the fall, it will be gone. Mm, most likely there will continue to be multiple waves of this. And there will be recurrences, especially in the fall. I, you know, I hear that in the summer it dies down, um, but in the winter it just comes back with a vengeance. Or that's like those are the predictions they're making. And so, with that in mind, you want to kind of become as comfortable as possible with online classes with the technology that's available to us right now um, with, you know, familiarizing yourself with multiple platforms, you know, Microsoft Teams, Zoom, Google Hangouts, Google Calendar, uh, what else? And, um, you know, we, whatever online, uh, what is like the online websites that are used for your classes and um, message boards, things like that. So, you want to acquaint yourself, become really comfortable with this because we will continue to have some sort of online instruction in some capacity for the time being. And um, 
I also think that we need to start to feel more comfortable with figuring out what our new normal is going to be. And so the new normal will include um, social distancing practices, making that more of a common thing from here on out, wearing facial coverings, face masks uh, when you're out, and just being generally being more careful when you're around others and not trying to congregate in large groups. And so how, how will this affect you? It could affect your physical health. Some students are, are trying to avoid going out. And so as a result, you know, they don't have access to gyms, to hiking trails, to any classes they used to take, fitness classes. And so you've got to figure out, you know, in what ways can I stay active if I'm not able to do what I used to do before? How can I do it from home? How can I do it within, you know, the area that I live in? And then mental health is huge because, I mean, the, the rates of depression uh, and just mental health issues as a whole in graduate school are so high. I can only imagine that they're going to worsen with our current circumstances because of the added isolation. And so because of that, I highly recommend as soon as you start graduate school to find out what the resources are that are available. Find out what you have that you qualify for when it comes to your health insurance and access to mental health providers. And find a therapist as soon as possible. I can't stress that enough. I know this sounds weird. I'm talking about, oh, you're studying grad school in the fall. <laughs> One of my biggest recommendations is to find a therapist. But yes, um, as much as you may think that you have a very strong support system, tight group of friends or family that you can call at any time, that may be true. It's still um, beneficial to have this third party, this neutral individual who you can check in with, um, hopefully on a regular basis, if not maybe bi-weekly or monthly, just to make sure that everything is okay, to get their professional opinion and advice on your circumstances. And even if you're not struggling, even if you don't feel like you are having any issues with feeling down or feeling anxious, it, it, it can only help you not hurt you to do that. And then, of course, finding out about other resources, too. So what else does that university provide to you that you wouldn't otherwise have if you were at home? And I think that is all I really wanted to do is just prioritize, prioritize your mental health, your physical health. Right now, if you're still a student, it's a great um, you're getting a bit of a preview of what it's like to be a graduate student because graduate school in, for many programs does involve a lot of solitary work where you're doing your research. Um, even if, you're in the, if it's in the lab setting at some point, you're having to write a dissertation. At some point, you're having to study for qualifying exams. And um, if you're struggling with your online classes, now's the time to figure out a system that works for you. Taking breaks, timing yourself, having accountability buddies, you know, study, study groups, writing groups, whatever it is that works for you, try to figure that out. You know, what kind of workspace is best for you? What time of day for you to work is best? 
And, um, and if you are struggling with time management, now's the time to explore some, um, some options in terms of, you know, applications you can use that will help you with your efficiency, utilizing calendars, planners, um, and not just planning ahead, but, you know, I also encourage my students to do something called reverse planning, where at the end of the day, you update your calendar based on what you actually did accomplish and how long things actually took you. That way you can go back and, you know, if you reverse plan every day, uh, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, you'll start to notice trends. You'll start to notice habits. You'll start to notice when you have better days, when you have off days, when you're more productive, and what got in the way or what worked well so that you can kind of replicate the good circumstances to continue to, you know, to do your best or as best as you can within, within our current circumstances. That is all I'm going to say for now. I hope that you found some of this helpful for those of you that are planning to start grad school in the fall. I am so, so sorry that you're starting under these circumstances, but at the same time, at the very least, you're guaranteed some funding. At the very least, you have something to do. Your circumstances could always be worse, and I wish you the best. I hope that you're able to identify a support system wherever it is that you start in the fall. And if you have any other questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me either on Instagram or over email. Hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anger page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram, sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at yvettemartinezvu.com. Until next time.